what the text is in the title. Same title, same text, John chapter 1, verse 11. First two words of the sentence. He came. You ever thought about where we would be had he not come? Imagine where we as a people would be had he not come. Imagine your own story where you might be had he not come. Some of you would still be in the honky-tonks and the bars. Some of you would be in divorce court. Some of us would probably already be in a grave six feet under had he not come because he came and changed everything. He came just as he had promised. Over 700 years before the prophet Isaiah said that he would and he did. In fact, you can go all of the way back to the book of Genesis and there in the very beginning where it speaks of the seed of the woman and he came just as he promised not only as he promised but he was punctual it was just right on time in the very place that God had foretold in the prescribed manner in which God had prophesied he would be born of a virgin and to the people to whom he came. For unto us, speaking of the Jewish people, is born this day in the city of David a Savior. He, he came. Just that first word, and we could go on and on and on just talking about he. That is Emmanuel, God with us. He came. He didn't send an angel. He himself came. The one who is God in the flesh, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Lamb of God, the Savior, the Prophet, the Priest, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the Beginning and the End and the First and the Last. He, He's the one who came. Have you ever thought about uh, all of the promises that God gave It's so sad to see people living in fear and in doubt, not certain as to even the existence of God when all through the Bible we have this evidence that Jesus Christ is exactly who He claimed to be. He came. But why? He did not come to judge the world. He will someday, but... He told us that His purpose in coming was not to judge the world. He did not come to rule and reign as a king in this world to set up His kingdom. He will do that someday, but that was not His purpose when He first came. He came for other reasons. For one thing, He came to project light because the world is pictured as a 
dark place, a sinfully dark place. And he tells us here in this same chapter, beginning in verse number 4, it speaks about him being the light of the world and the light coming into the darkness. The darkness comprehended it not. But he came to project light. And we needed that light because according to Romans chapter number 1, where it speaks about the sinfulness of man, it says, For when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And what happened? God gave them over to a reprobate mind. So when Jesus came, it says there in that same chapter, they became vain in their imagination, their foolish hearts were darkened. You go back to the prophets. Whenever it speaks about the coming of the Messiah, Isaiah himself said, And they shall see a great light. And I want you to know he, this he that we're speaking of, is that great light that came to lighten the path of all men, a light not only to the Jews, but a light unto the Gentiles. He came to project light in this world because of the fact that we are living in a spiritually dark world full of doom and gloom. We look around and we... We're gripped with fear. We look around and we're overcome with disappointment and all of the things that, that have a way of distracting us and deceiving us. We think about the sickness, talking about Brother Ron a while ago. We can talk about Billy Anderson and John Weisenbaker and Barry Farr and Dennis Hamlin. That list goes on and on of people that, that need our prayers and people that are that are fighting battles of their own. And sometimes in this sin-darkened world, we get so distracted that we forget what God has already provided in the person of Christ. He's light. He is the light of the world. And without Him, we're all in darkness. But here notice in verse number 4, he came not only to project light, but notice he came to provide life. Verse number 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now the reason for this is because the Bible describes us as being spiritually dead by nature. That's true of every person in this world. Regardless of how well educated you are, regardless of, of how talented you are, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are dead spiritually. And that's the worst kind of death. Dead spiritually. That means you, you are separated from God. You can talk about God and sing about God, but you're not connected to God. And what you need is not just knowledge. What you need is not just religion. What you need is life. And Jesus Christ came to provide that life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. 
You could join every church in town and be baptized so many times that every tadpole in the creek knows you by your first name and you still wouldn't be a child of God. You still wouldn't be saved. The only thing and the only way unto life is through the Lord Jesus Christ. I couldn't help but think as Brother Barry was singing about the fact that he came to me and I couldn't help it. And the song starts out there talking about us being so far from God. And I pictured myself as I, as I used to be, as I was before Christ. That gulf that separated me from God. And I was a person that I didn't want to be. I did things that I really, in one sense, didn't want to do. I, 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 I was a slave to my passions, separated from God, and a burden to all of those around me. And I knew I needed something, but I didn't know what until I discovered I didn't need something, I needed someone And that someone was Jesus. And I discovered through the preaching of His Word that He came to me. He came to me, the vilest of sinners. He came to me, the one who is so undeserving, the one who is so unconcerned about other people. He came to me. He didn't just come to the world in general. He came to me. The same thing can be said of each and every one of us. And He came to provide life, and not only that, but to proclaim liberty. I mean, He, like we sing so many times that old song, He set me free. (laughs) That's more than a song. That is a glorious fact. Because until we're saved, we're living in bondage. In fact, Paul said to Timothy, speaking of the unsaved, said they are taken captive of the devil at his will. Every unsaved person is living in bondage to Satan, and the only way of deliverance is through the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you say, well, preacher, you keep talking about, you know, what a horrible condition I'm in as a result of not being a Christian, but I'll have you to know I'm better educated than you are. I make more money than you do. I'm happier than you. I have a yacht out on the lake. I have a, you know, I have this, I have that, and all of those other things. Yeah, but all of that, everything about you is under the control of Satan. Let me tell you something. You can go to hell just as fast from a church pew as you can from a bar stool. In, in, in fact, the devil just might get you there a whole lot easier from a church pew because the fellow on the bar stool, sooner or later, he's going to wake up and discover the fact that he needs something beyond himself to get out of that bar room. He needs something or someone to deliver him. And the fool sitting on the church pew every week without Jesus Christ as their Savior, thinks they're secure in their religion, and they're not because they are enslaved. You might be able to do as you please, but you cannot do as you ought. Nobody's going to tell me what to do, people say. 
Now, that's where you're wrong because you're already living your life under the control of a satanic power and Christ came in order to proclaim liberty. That's what he tells us in Luke chapter 4. We read his mission statement as to why he came. He came to set the captive free. Not only that, but whenever we talk about the fact that he came, he came to prove his love. You know, so many times you walk up and down the corridors of a hospital, especially whenever you see those little children that are in the cancer treatment. And so many times parents might even question, how can God be a God of love and allow something like this to happen? And I can, listen, I can understand to some extent how an unsaved person might feel that way. Because they don't know anything about God. They don't know anything about saving grace. They've never experienced the the forgiveness that God has given to you and I, those who have trusted Christ. They don't know anything about that. So whenever all of a sudden something comes along that knocks the props out from under them and they're laying flat on their back and they're seeing their loved ones suffer and they begin to wonder why. Why this? Why me? Why now? Why would a loving God allow all of these things to happen to me or to my child, my loved one? Let me tell you, if you are in that condition and doubting the love of God, all you need to do is just take a trip back through the corridors of time to a hill called Mount Calvary. And look yonder upon that cross, that form that is so beaten, so battered, and so bruised that, that he is beyond recognition, that bleeding, that bleeding body hanging on a tree. And there is your proof of God's love. He came. He did not come to set up a kingdom. Listen, he was born to die. He came as a little babe there in Bethlehem's manger, but the purpose was that he might die on the cross to demonstrate the love of God. He came. He loved us in that while we were yet sinners. Get a hold of that for a little while. While we were yet sinners, not after we joined the church, not after we got better, but while we were yet sinners, yet in our sin, living in bondage to Satan and spiritually dead and all of those other things, and it says that He loved us. Amen. That's unconditional love. He loved us in that while we were yet sinners, He who came died for us. He came. That means salvation for the sinner. It means forgiveness for those that have fallen. It means reconciliation for those that are rebels against heaven. It means help for the helpless and hope for the hopeless and healing for those that are hurting. Listen, it means everything. He came. 1 John 5.20 says, And we know that the Son of God is come. And listen, hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true, and we are in Him that is true, even 
in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. He came. Now, I have companionship when I'm lonely because He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I have comfort when I'm afraid. He gives me a calm whenever I'm troubled by the things of this world. There is a courage whenever I'm overwhelmed with the difficulties of life. There is control when I'm tempted. There is counsel whenever I'm confused. He gives me a cheerful spirit even when I am depressed. He provides me contentment even while I have needs that nobody else can meet. And yet I can live a life of contentment knowing that if I seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all of these things shall be added unto me. All of that is possible because He, the Son of God, He came. He came to me. In the Gospel of Matthew, there's another verse where Jesus says, Come unto me. In other words, the one who came to us then says in verse 38, verse 37, Come unto me. Isn't that wonderful? That's the most glorious invitation in all of the world. To think that a holy God would invite us to come to Him. Come unto me. Have you you ever come unto Christ? Have you ever cast aside all of your self-will? Have you ever put your all on the altar, as it were, and said... uh, It's no more me, but it's all about Him and come to Him. Depending not upon religion and not upon your own human effort, but depending on nothing but the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, come unto me. You would think, being such a holy God, that He would have this huge barrier between us and Him and that there would be no way for us to get to Him. You would think he would say, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. But instead, he says, Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then there's another verse in John chapter number 6 where Jesus Himself said, He that cometh unto Me I shall in no wise cast out. In other words, He's simply saying to us, the door is open for everyone. If you've heard some of this foolishness about predestination that talks about the fact that God predestinated some to go to hell and they don't have any say in it and they can't do anything about it, that Jesus died only for a select few, you get away from that as fast as you can. I'm telling you, the Bible says He tasted death for every man. If you go to hell, you don't have anybody to blame but yourself. Don't you dare blame God. He didn't do that. He died for every man. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The door is open 
And he says, come to me. And Ephesians 1, 6 says that he, that is God, hath made us accepted in the Beloved. In other words, God is saying, I will accept all who accept my Son. You accept him, and God says, I will accept you. You want to have a Merry Christmas? Happy New Year? A glorious life? A home in heaven? Let me tell you, it can happen. And it happens only when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. No wonder, Paul said, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. That gift, that gift is the one we're talking about. He came. That's that's the gift of God. His own dear Son who died on the cross that we might have eternal life. This can be the most wonderful Christmas of your life if you'll receive Him. I I, I was saved in uh, October, in, in no, August. I surrendered to preach in October, and, and I preached my first sermon. Right, It was New Year's Watch Night, wasn't it? Best I remember. And I, I'll never forget Bev's grandpa who... Uh, was really the only grandpa I ever knew because uh, I never had the privilege of being around my others and uh, mine anyway. And he, he's the one that so many times weep when he heard that old song, Wasted Years, Wasted Years, Oh, How Foolish. And I'll tell you, I don't think anybody was any happier about me being saved than Ben Loveland was. He was he was just overjoyed, and when he found out I had surrendered to preach, I just, I, you know, I knew I was excited about it, but I couldn't believe that other people got that excited about it. But boy, I tell you, I'll never forget him. After that, he wanted me to go on his. He drove a gas truck, and he wanted me to go, and he introduced me everywhere, every gas station in town. Went down, went down to the police station, and he had to introduce me to all of the cops because his nephew was the chief of police. And, and But I'll tell you, there wasn't anybody, anybody happier about that than me. That was the most wonderful Christmas of my life because God had set me free from the bondage of sin. He had made me a new creature in Christ Jesus. And the old things passed away and all things become new. Thank God for His wonderful gift. He didn't just come for me. He came for you also. He that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. Will you come to Him this morning? He said He'll receive you if you trust Him. The choice is yours today. Let's stand together, Father. How thankful we are that you loved us so much that you wrapped yourself in a robe of flesh, condescended to descend down from the portals of glory and left the praise of the angels for the howling mob. You left the streets of gold for the dusty trails there in Galilee. You left your throne 
only to be nailed to an old rugged cross. And you did it all for us. How thankful we are for the sacrifice that you made and the salvation that you provide. Lord, I just pray this morning that not one single soul would leave this building without knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. And Lord, for every troubled child of God here today, everyone that perhaps has been defeated by sin or disappointed by the condition of the world or whatever, whatever difficulty they might be facing, Help us to realize that because of Jesus, we're more than conquerors. We're on the winning side. And because of that, one day we'll be delivered from this vain world. And one day we'll rule and reign as joint heirs with Jesus Christ. God, help us to not grow weary in well-doing to keep pressing on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus that we might hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. In his name we pray, amen. While we stand as we sing this morning, if God is speaking to your heart, would you come? He has spoken through his word. He's given you the assurance that He has come and provided everything you need, light, life, liberty, everything you could possibly need is provided in Christ if you will but trust Him while we sing together. Isn't that wonderful that you can come just like you are in all of your rags of sin? said a while ago, the most wonderful invitation in all of the world is the fact that He invites us to come to Him. It doesn't get any better than that. Let me tell you the most foolish decision that, that anybody could possibly make, the most foolish thing that you could ever do would be to refuse that invitation. Why would you? Why would you? I'll guarantee you there's not one single Christian in this building that regrets having received Christ as their Savior. 
But I promise you, you'll regret it if you don't. Your best friend will become your worst enemy. And instead of him being your Savior, he'll be your judge. Instead of life, there is a second death, the Bible says. God forbid, God forbid that you reject this invitation. Let's bow our heads together and just the musicians play softly. We're not going to sing. But if you're here and and so far you've rejected the offer that God's given, you've turned your back on the invitation He provided. Would you right now, wherever you are, just get out of your seat and come? Brother Kenneth is here and say, Preacher, I don't want to leave here today without knowing that I'm a child of God. I've lived in darkness far too long. I need light. I've been separated from God far too long. I need light. I've been enslaved by my sin far too long. I want that liberty. You can have it all this morning. But it's only in Jesus. close in prayer most kind and gracious most holy father in heaven lord we come to you this morning lord we want to thank you for the time that we've had together i thank you lord for a time to be able to worship you to praise you for your son who always existed before the beginning lord was manifested in the flesh for us came and lived and died and was buried and rose again for our sins Dear God, I'm so glad you came. Lord, I I didn't even know I needed you until I heard your word. And immediately, the discomfort that came to my heart, Lord, until I received your precious Lord Jesus as my Savior to save me from my sins and change my life. I'm so glad you came, Lord, and what you've done for all for eternity. Lord, for the one that has somehow listened to your truth today and and not responded to your salvation, Lord, I pray that they would not be left alone in their heart, Lord, until they come to know you and the forgiveness of sins, dear God, for the greatest Christmas they could ever have, Lord. I thank you, dear God, that you're not willing that any would perish. So save, Father.